Hey there, folks. This is Yoshi Silverstein from the Chazon Jaffe team. Welcome back to the podcast. For the next few weeks leading up to Jaffe Network Gathering, we are pulling from the Jaffe Audio Archives for some really special episodes that we think you're going to enjoy. This week, we are pulling from the Jaffe Fellowship Cohort 3 closing. We're starting with opening remarks uh, from the first part of the morning from Stephen Green, Senior Director of Grants Management and Compliance at Jim Joseph Foundation. And then we jump to our after lunch session with his own founder and CEO, Nigel Savage. That includes some opening remarks from Nigel, uh, Jaffe Fellowship highlights and questions for Nigel from Cohort 3, and then jumping into Nigel's responses. We think these will weave together into something really nice. We know the audio quality is not amazing all the way through, but it's some really great content that we wanted to share. And we hope that you'll find that this is an interesting window into both the fellowship and into the ongoing development of the Jaffe space from the perspective of some key stakeholders in this work. We hope you'll continue this conversation with Nigel and Stephen and a bunch of fellowship alumni from all of the cohorts as well as the current cohort and of course folks from around the Jaffe world at Jaffe Network Gathering coming up at the end of the month. And with that, let's dig in. to do is is just just think with me for for a minute 
Um, there's, there's two uh, references that I'm going to give you. One is a, a Torah reference, and one is a reference from Perkei Avot, the, uh, the book of ethics that we, we refer to often in, in Jewish life. Um, the Torah reference is the story that, you know, I'm sure in the Jaffe world many of you have, have heard about. But when the, the Israelites got to uh, the Sea of Reeds and they were given the opportunity to, um, to go through and they were told to go through, they listened and they were like, are you kidding me? You want us to walk through this this river, this this sea that's there, and one person stood out and and went forward. And anyone know who? <laughs> Nachshon. So Nachshon is a you know, it's not the most common name in the in the Hebrew Bible, but it's it's in the in the Torah, but it's it's one that's that's a powerful one, and. After Nachshon walked through, everyone of the Israelites followed. It wasn't that you know just a few went forward and and, uh, and followed, but but every one of them went went forward with him and and followed. And what I'm going to ask you to think about as you're as you're moving forward, this is your seum. This is you know coming to an end of this stage of the, the fellowship, and there are more opportunities even beyond this within a zone and within your respective organizations, um, and then as alumni and, and, and your professional life beyond this, but just think about this. When you're acting as a leader, you're given the opportunity to, to be a leader for people who look up to you no matter what you're you're preaching, no matter what area you're you're in, so you don't have to stay in a particular lane if you have the trust of the people around you. So when you're thinking about the opportunities that you have and the opportunities that you have within your your respective organization, if you're working within a JCC or a federation or one table or Wilderness Torah or Pearlstone or any of the, the organizations that you're connected with, you don't have to be the, the person they go to for environmental stuff or the person they go to for food stuff. You can, you can lead in different ways and you can step up and, and be leaders in your respective organization and in field-wide. And I'm not telling you anything that that you shouldn't already know, but I'm just alerting you that you have this license. And when you have a license to, to be a leader, by God, be a leader. <laughs> and exercise leadership. So the, the second thing, and in, in this um, will be rather quick, but um, there's a Rabbi Elazar Benazaria in Perkei Avot says, one who has wisdom that exceeds deeds is like a tree with many branches and few roots. And a tree with many branches and few roots 
when the wind comes, will be upended and turned upside down and taken to another place. I don't know if this is a familiar um, thing for, for many of you or not, but yet one whose deeds exceed their wisdom will have many roots and few branches. The many roots will allow the tree to, to stay where it is and be, be stalwart and be lasting. Even when the heavy rains come, the, the heavy winds come, but we'll, we'll allow it to be there. Now, I know you all are, are quite wise, so it will be a lot to have your deeds exceed your wisdom. But think about what that means for you as you, as you work towards your next stages and how, you know, how much of an impact you are, are able to, to have. And I just also want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for choosing to take this time in your lives to dedicate to this meaningful cause. I want to say thank you for, for considering what a, a future will be in, in the Jaffe world, whatever that would, would mean moving forward. And I want to say thank you to, to Yoshi and Anna. Um, and I think we can all clap for them because they've... So I, I don't want to, to take up any, any extra of your time because I know the, the presentation is what I'm also excited to, to see. But uh, I work for a philanthropic foundation that you know, believes in supporting leaders and educational leaders and, um, and you know, wanted to make this investment because of, of what we think this can, can do to help create compelling and meaningful experiences for, for young Jews. And I, I want to open this up. If anyone has, you know, a few questions right now, I'm also going to be here through, you know, lunch and, and a little bit beyond today. But if you have any questions for me, um, I'm not the, the funder um, himself. The funder was uh, Jim Joseph of Blessed Memory, who passed on in, in 2000, 2003 and bequeathed basically his real estate empire to this foundation that would serve Jewish education. But I've been working for the foundation for about seven and a half years now. Yeah. What projects is Jim Joseph Foundation funding now that you're like super excited about? The Jaffe Fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there are a number of things that are in the, the leaders and educators category, uh, strategic priority area for us. We've got three strategic priorities. We've got powerful Jewish learning. Um, we've got uh, creating exceptional educators and educational leaders. And then we've got R&D for the future of Jewish learning. And some of the most unique and interesting are coming in through the R&D space. One of those that I work on is an organization called Reboot. And I don't know if, if any of you have heard about Reboot, but it, 
it takes cultural creatives from uh, across the world, many of whom wouldn't have involvement in the, in the Jewish world, in the Jewish professional world in a serious way otherwise, and creates this um, network of individuals who are these elite exceptional thinkers. So people like Jill Soloway, who created Transparence, Genji Kahan, who uh, created Orange is the New Black and, and Weeds, people who are, are political icons, writers, um, you know, any kind of uh, medium that, that you could imagine who come together and are able to, they, they come together and then they, they ideate. So there's something called Sukkah City in New York that um, had different high-end architectural renderings of Sukkot that were put together in Times Square. And this was a project of, of Reboot. The National Day of Unplugging um, was a, a project of Reboot. Um, the 10Q, um, which comes in the Aseret Yimei Shuva, the 10 Days of of awe, 10 days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur was a project of reboot. So, you know, something like that is is something that's just very interesting and, and compelling. And then, you know, there, there are things like the reimagining and, and recreation of how Hillel is acting on a college campus today that's very different than, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was on college campus or EDYO which I grew up with in North Carolina, you know, it's, it's very different than, than what it was. And in part, that's, in small part, that's to do with, with how this foundation has, has funded them. Would you be willing to share a little bit about some of the more challenging aspects of your work at a philanthropic foundation? Sure. Um, we, we make mistakes. And... We make mistakes that are large because when you're a $1.2 billion foundation and you're paying out $50 million a year, $50 to $60 million a year, um, the mistakes you make aren't, aren't modest. And you have, to, you have to think about how um, you're doing it in a way that can be constructive, you can learn from. And your your creating is as measurable. Um, we create tried to create a uh, a Jewish uh, database that was um, that was through Brandeis University some years ago that was with the best intentions, and we funded it for nearly seven years and it you know for all intents and purposes failed because there weren't other funders who would would come in the it was uh intended to be a, a survey tool for for every organization out there that would would create more evaluation and metrics of success and people it was created in a very top-down kind of way where you know we build it and they will come, and 
you know, it worked for Kevin Costner, it didn't work for us. <laughs> and so we, we learned from that and we tried to iterate on it. But we, you know, we were also one of the major funders of Birthright Next, which I don't know if, uh, if any of you have heard of it, it may have been before your, your time, but it was an add-on to Birthright that was intended to say, you know, it's not just about the 10 days, it's about the time afterwards. And we, we funded these interventions and training for, for local um, young adult engagers and, and follow-up things that, that birthright participants could take part in, and it failed. There wasn't the buy-in there, but there, there wasn't the, the buy-in there. So it taught us, like, when we're doing things in the future, we've got to get the buy-in from the organization, from the other funders, from, from the other stakeholders, in order to, to make something successful. And, you know, we, the foundations really started in 2006. And, you know, we're, we're learning. We're, we're young. We're in our teenage years. So we're, we're, we're still in our infancy, and we're going to make mistakes. And the best thing I think we can do is write about them and, uh, and share them when we make them. Because that's going to – it's great to learn from your mistakes – of a lot better to learn from someone else's mistakes. <laughs> so we're we're hoping other people can learn from from our mistakes and uh, and you know improve the the processes. Of Reconnect the dots 
between Jewish tradition and the physical world that sustains us in order genuinely to make a difference in the world, genuinely to touch people's lives, genuinely to strengthen the Jewish community, genuinely to spread out in concentric circles. And I, some of the things that we can measure in programs are short-run measures and all the evals and so on and so on. But there was the famous thing with the Chinese leader to whom, I can't remember who it was, for all I know it may be apocryphal, to whom somebody said to him, what do you think the, the impact and significance of the French Revolution was? And he famously said, I don't know, it's too soon to tell. <laughs> right? And, and I know that I did a Joffe program in 1996 that changed my life, which was to train Jewish wilderness educators, <coughs> funded by UJ Federation of New York. But some of the ways that that touched me literally didn't kick in for 20 years later. And so some of the stuff that you've accomplished this year, you've accomplished now, but some of it may be down the line. Just one other thing before we do an opening <coughs> talk, I just want to say that Chazan has grown and evolved now for 18 years. We started with bike rides, we started to do food work, we did work in different cities. Other organizations started to found, we merged with Isabella Friedman, Teva came in. We founded Joffe Fellows, and even in the timing of this, next year, this is the first, first cohort with somebody from Canada, next year we're going to start an entrepreneurial track. This year we've started the uh, Joffe Leaders Institute, which essentially grows out of this. Chazon right now is going through a strategic planning process. We ourselves at this moment of great change in the world are trying to figure out who are we, how do we amplify our impact, what is most vital for us to do, how do we focus all those questions. So I say that for the opening circle, and I remember some people's names but not everybody, so even those of you whose names I know you know I know, I'm just going to ask everybody to say your name and where you are. And then just really one specific, I know you did presentations this morning, but for you, one specific thing that has been important to you about this, something that has touched you that you think you'll remember that may have changed you, something important, and a question for me on any topic. And don't stress about what you're going to say. The, when we get to you, the spirit will move you. You're up. forgot everything I'm accountable for. Um, yes, your name and where you are. Jacob, Eden Village Camp. Yeah. East Coast. Um, and then something relatively transformative about this yeah. experience. The people in this room like feel like y'all are a bunch of lifelong allies in difficult and meaningful work. And I feel like I've been doing difficult and meaningful work when I was just working in production farming and Jewish education, sometimes on the side, but the nexus of the two and having all these people involved is no small thing. And I still have the question that I asked last time that launched into a whole huge conversation of the Jaffe Network gathering. But in all in all the programs that Hazon runs, do you see do you see the organization really uh, effectively being able to channel the the interest that people have in like preserving traditional Judaism? Because I, I know some of the programs, the bike rides and obviously the mentors outdoor programs, but the people who come wanting like shahras or like Divrei Torah. Yeah, and, and like what and like what to say to those folks when like those expectations are not met. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jared from Shoresh. The highlight of my year was as like the Canadian fellow just being exposed to this, this whole movement <laughs> <laughs> and coming down south and having all these like really transformative experiences that have really strengthened my conviction to, to remain in this field. I can genuinely say that. And I feel a, a stronger personal 
commitment to you know my own Jewish identity. And I guess my question for you is sort of on a high level. I, I explained what my goals were out of the Jaffa Fellowship during my presentation. What are Hazon's goals of the Jaffa Fellowship? Thank you. And let me also say one other thing, by the way, about this sort of like highlight of something you're taking away. On the one hand, I want to know. I am really interested to know what you feel has been most impactful. But I also know that you've spent time with each other, so you can also feel free if you want to say something different than you've said to everybody else, even like if you feel like you want to like forget me, but it'll be more interesting for everybody else. Uh, Ellie, Isabella Friedman. I think that a highlight of this year has been, um, yeah, just getting to know like individually every person here and how good they make me feel being like in a in a really supportive cohort has uh, been uh, life-changing in a way like other than like skills-based stuff which we've all gotten um, and my question for you is how do you go about becoming a, or honing the message, um, if you are a thought leader? How do, you, how do you become a thought leader? How do you hone your message? Yeah. I'm also going to read into the record any highlight that's been said by anybody before you, so you get to say some different specific highlight. You're up. Thank you. <laughs> My name is Henry. I'm at the Shalom Institute in Malibu. Uh, highlight? I think I would consider myself a singer now, which is the thing I would have considered myself before. So that's, that's really fun. The, the, the music element has been particularly powerful. I think a lot of work that we do and that many of the people we work with, meeting a lot of people where they're at, they, I acknowledge uh, and I deeply feel the, the need to do that. But I'm also curious where we get to push, push boundaries also for ourselves, and like where do where do we get to live that model, which ultimately is like probably where we're gonna have to go if we want to keep living on this planet. <laughs> thank you. I want to. I not only love these questions, by the way, but I want to. Anyway, yes. Thank you. Um, I'm Sander, Jewish Farm School. Highlight has been like me. Coming into this year, really feeling a lot of like creativity soaked within me, and not having, not before having had the like organizational and fellowshipal scaffold to to like for my ideas and for my energy to like grab on something and flourish. And so I finally had that my role. Um, and a question I have is, I mean, I I sort of understand like in in what's emerging right now, like Hazon is in this pretty central place in like Jewish climate leadership, and I'm wondering how Hazon and other big organizations can like sort of decentralize that and, and support um, other like emerging Jewish climate leadership and action education. Thank you. I'm Sophia, I work at Wilderness Torah, and um, a huge takeaway from this year, or a highlight, um, was the strengths finder. I had no idea that a very, you know, like, metric-y test could give me such valuable insight into my own skills. Um, 
And a question that I'm holding for you that I, I've been holding for myself and like really want to ask more broadly of everyone in this room is um, how do you um, make the case both to yourself and to funders and to the world more broadly for the work that you're doing and that Hazone is doing given that on sort of a positive, I don't know, axis of importance or meaning versus urgency. A lot of the work of Jaffe is less urgent, perhaps, although very meaningful when we think about it in, in contrast to um, people need to be fed, people need to be safe from violence and things like that that have a more time sensitive quality. Yes, tell me. <laughs> I am Anika Rice and I'm here at Urban Adamant. And I so I grew up with a pretty like Jewish light, if not like very secular and interfaith, like almost non-existent <laughs> religious education or spiritual education. Um, so in that context, I feel like I came away from our two-week training at at Isabella Friedman with having, for the first time, having felt like an actual feeling and meaning and personal connection behind the idea of God and spirit. So that felt really meaningful. Um, <laughs> and then to add to that, I think the, the focus of like mindfulness and coming as you are in a spiritual context that I got in the container of this fellowship and here at Urbanadama has like made me a much, just a better professional person and like possibly better parent and person in the future, my future self. Um, and for you, I'm curious what you're most excited about in um, Hazel's strategic planning. Thank you. Hi Nigel, I'm Elizabeth Heyman. I can talk about a lot of things. Um, at first, I was, I'll say that like I was apprehensive about the fellowship because it was presented to me as a was different than I think a lot of the people around the room. It was like a way for my job to keep me longer. And I didn't see the connection between who I was and the fellowship and very quickly realized that my entire world is Jaffe and I am so lucky and blessed to have been brought into this space and this room and to have people that allow me to be my whole green self and not only like make space for it, but hold it and cultivate it. That's so cool. Um, and I think the, the thing that I loved, like say something different, is the structure of the year and that we had these touch points and also these webinars and moments where my job didn't really give me that much space to do jobby programming. So I had a tether that kept me grounded uh, throughout the year so that whenever I forgot that I wasn't, or like wasn't able to be my whole brain self, I had a group of people that was there to remind me that it's in there all the time. And that's really cool. So thanks, guys. Um, and a question I have for you, uh, at Network Gathering, you were talking about how you've been to the UN to represent the Jews and climate. And in the world that we're in right now, I'm really curious how we, how do we make noise in a positive way that doesn't feed into the isms that plague both Jews and the rest of the world. Um, I'm really struggling with that, so I'm curious about your thoughts. Thank you. Great. Hey, I'm Nigel Francis from Heather. 
Um, I I think I'm really, I mean, it's like a spin-off of the I love everyone in this room a lot, but um, I, I am really appreciating like the, I really have appreciated the professional support. Um, I think, like, I think my highlight of the thing was at mid-year was like having a mentor, but I think that also having like peers who are like in similar jobs um, talking about like the ways that they want to do work and the ways that like like what they want to do with their lives and like what things like how to pursue passion and figure things out has been really helpful to me. Um, what are you reading? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm Amanda and I work at One Table in Washington DC. A highlight from the year was the opening seminar at Isabel Friedman. I had never, I had been in the Jewish nonprofit world for a while, but never, though I knew it in my heart that like Judaism, the land, the earth, all of it was very connected, I had never been in a place where it was specifically connected for me. And so just like saying blessings in nature and walking around Friedman and being in that space, it was like, oh, yes, I, I, this is it. And all these people are already doing this work. And wow, there's a whole field of it. And that's amazing. Um, I think Oprah calls it like an aha moment when like something you know to be true gets spoken and you're like, oh, yeah, like I already knew that, but someone said it out loud. And a question for you. Um, I just finished a master's in experiential education, and so the pedagogical teachings that we have at Jaffe are amazing and like equal to my like, education in grad school as far as like tools. And so I'm wondering how you see the Jaffe Fellowship fitting into like the professionalization of the experiential education world. Thank you. I'm Maya with Eden Village Camp. And a highlight for me this year, it's been a, a journey to recognize, but through the cohort, through the professional film, and through my mentor, uh, who I like, need to call, like recognizing that I'm like good at what I do and like seeing like what I deserve in the world and like recognizing things in myself that like I didn't even know I had like playing tambourine uh, <laughs> or like being organized like I don't know um so like huge things um and a question I have which like I don't even know if there's an answer if and when uh, any of us like move away from Jaffe work specifically um, what are ways or ways you've seen or just ideas of like keeping like everything we've learned and like have rooted in us like in other work that we do um, or maybe like there isn't specific space for like Jaffe thank you Hi, I'm Rebecca. I work at Eden Village West. Um, one of the highlights for me is that I grew up 
in like formal Jewish education, but having the opportunity to like step into being a Jewish educator and like gaining exposure and like almost just like the technical tools, like making a source sheet, finding like areas of Jewish text that are not the ones I grew up with are like more interesting or relevant and having the opportunity to like explore that is something that I don't think I would have done if I was in this job but not in the Jaffa Fellowship, as, at least as easily. Um, and then a question that I have is, like, how with all these Jaffe organizations, like, do we share like the learnings of? It sounds like there's these like operational and programmatic like areas of questions that we all have that I'm sure like our organizations do too. And like, where is that sharing of best practices? And to that end, like, should somebody start like the next Jaffe organization? Like, is there some sort of like Jaffe starter kit, so to speak, like these are things to know, and like where's that sharing happening? Hi, Nigel. I'm Lana, and I work at Pearlstone. And something that has been super nourishing for me in the fellowship has been um, being able to focus on myself in a professional development capacity. So being able to like speak your truth and just really connecting to like what you need, and, um, which is amazingly facilitated by Yoshi. I found that all of our trainings have been like super, allowed me to really connect to what I want and have more questions about. Um, and like in that same vein, like being able to meet Marsha and Molly Warnick and like having people like them in the field who are like in your corner and um, that's just super inspiring. Um, yeah, I guess a question I have for you is what is something that is nourishing you right now? Ooh, thank you. I'm Brendan and I'm in Houston with Amir hmm. and slash Shalom Farms. My highlight for this year is I came to the seminar unable to clap one beat, and I came back to the closing seminar with my own drum djembe thing, um, and can now like occasionally keep a beat and sometimes find one, um, and that's been kind of like this whole year for me, um, and like theoretically, like, physically and like metaphorically, I think you guys want to take that as a community. Uh, and beat the keeping, etc. So that's been really uh, positive for me. Um, and a question I have for you is, um, with this like growing Jaffe Zone like network that is you know very expansive, sounds like nationally and coming internationally, uh, uh, almost a farm, if you will. Where do you see like our pejas? Like what are our corners or our like things we leave in our communities? Thank you. Hey, Nigel. Stephen. I work for the Jim Joseph Foundation. <laughs> it's great to be here. On a completely superficial level, the, my involvement with Jaffe has changed my wardrobe. I'm wearing insulated jeans right now. <laughs> a wardrobe that incorporates more plaid than it ever has before. <laughs> and I, I feel comfortable. I hope you're wearing plump stones. If you're not, you really mean to. <laughs> Wait, wait, we want Mary Tyler. Mary Tyler. 
Yeah. 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 Yeah.
But people who aren't here to Meredith, to Judith Belasco, to like all sorts of other people who are behind this really genuinely, like I feel so grateful to all of the people who've been involved in this. Um, <clears throat> before I take a stab at these questions, I do want to say, um, this is also like me saying a version of what Stephen said. I will give versions of answers to some of these questions, but several of them are my questions. They're either questions that I personally feel that I have, or questions that Chazon is trying to address right now. And it reflects credit on where we are as a movement and a group of people that, that many of you are asking questions that I consider pretty high and pretty important questions. And regardless of whatever I may say, I want to say part of what this fellowship is about, certainly as you leave, certainly as you move on in the rest of your personal and professional lives, is a piece about owning those questions yourselves and seeing yourselves as actors, right? It's that weird thing that we do from being like little kids to teenagers to 20-somethings. Whether we're aware of it or not, we grow up expecting adults to have the answers, right? And then we expect our teacher to have the answer and then our college professor to have the answer. And it's a weird, for some people, sudden, for some gradual shift to be like, oh, there is no there there. Like, I'm it. I look around the room. If nobody else, by the way, in the Talmud says this 2,000 years ago, right? Where nobody is a mensch, strive to be a mensch. Meaning, meaning, ultimately, it's on us to take this forward. And, I, and part of this, this program, including this piece about having a cohort, of having friends, now and next week and 20 years from now to pick up the phone to, it's precisely about having somebody to bounce ideas off to drive change, to get support, and so on. Um, with that said, I'm going to try and um, zap through these because they're really, um, they're really, really great questions. The biggest challenge is going to be reading my own handwriting. Um, so the first question was your question about, about engaging with traditional Jews and with the presumption that implicitly we often fail to engage them. And I want to say that I challenge that presumption. And if anybody thinks that that's the case, we should be challenging it ourselves. So certainly, for example, at Isabella Friedman, our retreat center, it's like queer-friendly, liberal, radical, we've got renewal davening going on, we've got umpteen different sitting, we've got umpteen alternatives, and it's flat kosher, we've got an era of meaning a symbolic domain for Shabbat, we, um, we have orthodox sitting, and I want to say, and, 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 I, and I think it's absolutely vital, genuinely, that we ground ourselves in Jewish tradition, that we see it as something that, that not only we are each heir to, but I love your question, right? Because implicitly in your question is the notion that some of the wisdom in the Torah can, could, and should be played out in public space. And I agree with that. And so I, 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 it, it's not, we each have different backgrounds, different levels of comfort. We each come from where we come from, but in general, that process is important. Grow Torah. Have we ever had anybody from Grow Torah? In, no, uh, we will. Awesome. So there's a great organization called Grow Torah, which is essentially the first Jaffe organization focusing and working solely within the Orthodox world. I think that's really important as well. Um, your question was something about Fazan's goals. Here's the goals of the fellowship. The goals of the fellowship. So. I think that we have multiple concentric goals in the fellowship. There is a goal for each one of you individually. 
There is a goal for a cohort. There is a goal for the institutions that you're working with. There is a goal for the larger space. And it ultimately comes down to a sense of effecting change in the world through concentric circles. So on the one hand, you can disaggregate each of those things. If everybody else, God forbid, fell off a cliff, there would still be one person here who could only do one thing in one place and such and such. But meanwhile, as you've seen for yourselves, to be a cohort, to have peers and to support, to be supported, is much more impactful. That's true for a single cohort. But then this is already the third cohort. We expect to have a fourth. We hope there will be more after that. It leads into the Juffy Network Gathering. We've started the Juffy Leadership Institute. What does it mean to create a pathway to change longer term? And that's a big piece of this. Your question about uh, thought leadership. So that's also a very funny question. I remember a few years ago being back in Manchester, and I said to my dad, Dad, would you like me to come and um, speak at Shul? Like do something in the Shul that I grew up in. And without missing a beat, my dad said to me, but what would you talk about? Why would anybody come? <laughs> and it's just really, really funny because like, I spent a bunch of time in this country turning down speaking engagements. I just did the third commencement speech that I've done. I'm doing thing at the Gatos JCC on Sunday morning. I think they're expecting you know, many hundreds of people. And, 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 and I think it's just a funny thing because I didn't see myself as a thought leader and I would never, certainly historically, I mean, now I sort of would, but it, I mean, obviously in a sense, it's sort of pompous about ourselves anyway. It's not language that we would use, but I think the point is that I've gradually grown into the understanding that one of the ways that has on effects change in the world, that one of the ways that I strive to is through thought leadership. I'll share with everybody the commencement speech that I did, in fact, at Spurtus last month, which is titled A New Theory of Jewish Journeys. And I think it's relevant to the stuff that we're doing here. And so I think, I think that my answer, and this again plays differently from each person, particularly to those of you for whom this speaks, I think that's a, a piece of affecting change in the world. And it begins by growing into that piece of ourselves. And now, frankly, we, leave, we live in a very flat and an open world. And so I could pitch an op-ed to the Times of Israel, or whoever it might be, but so can you, or HuffPost, or whatever it may be. And I do, and so I think it's a gradual process, but I think it begins with saying, oh, there is something I want to say. There is something that I, I want to do. And I think, for example, for you also, at the intersection of like Orthodox life and this world, I think we have too few people in that space. And so I could easily imagine that there are things that you could say in that space that could be really significant. Um, oh, I loved your question, Henry. First of all, I just want to say something on music. Put your hands up if you know Joey Weisenberg. So I just want to say many of you do, but Joey Weisenberg leads music stuff at Hadar. He does a song leader thing every year, basically over Christmas time. And anybody who's interested in growing into sort of Jewish musical leadership, I really encourage you to find Joff, uh, Joffy Joey online and, and go to that. So I love your question. So, so Henry's question was basic. It's a very, very deep question. On the one hand, we would partly say that we're affecting change in the world because we're not banging people over the head that we're meeting people where we are, that we're helping people to go on a journey that we're beginning with you and not us. By the way, it's one of the reasons that I will almost never, ever 
Go into any group of any size and just begin with me speaking. It's why I think it's really important to do opening circles. If there are 100 people in the room and I can't do it with everybody, I'll still have four or five people stand up and say something because I actually think that it's right to listen and to learn. It's not just about respect, it's also understanding who people are and where they are, on the one hand. But on the other hand, that question has been a piece of our strategic planning process at the moment and it connects to climate change and all of that stuff. There is a sense that a tipping point is being reached in the world and maybe in the Jewish community. What does it mean to offer leadership? What does it mean to step forward? What does it mean to be a little bit more assertive? And the answer is I don't know, but part of the process of doing that is asking that question. And I think that we are starting, I'll give you one other example and then as we zoom around. Um, I was speaking in an Orthodox shul, two Orthodox shuls in Chicago six weeks ago. Um, I spoke five times in two shuls that shared a space. And um, it was the end of Hanukkah. And one of the things that I said at the end was I said, um, guys, the next thing coming up in the calendar is Tubishvat. And I said to them, Tubishvat isn't just about fruit and nuts. And it's not just about kids. Tubishvat is real. If you want to celebrate Tubishvat, phone up the local elected official and say, it's Tubishvat. We'd like to invite you to come here to talk about the farm bill or the EPA or what's going on. I said, and by the way, pick up the phone to the neighboring shuls. And by the way, pick up the phone to the church and the mosque. Well, by the end of Shabbat, I'd had the rabbi and the president of the shuls say, we love that idea and we, lo we know our congressperson and I think we're going to try and do that. That Part of that was me starting to try out in a public space, pushing certain things a little bit. And sometimes it's like, trying it and see what happens. And as we're trying it, we're being met by encouragement. Sorry. Um, and I just want to say, by the way, because I want to give you a break before Mark comes. I'm going to zoom. I'm going to get through as many of these as I can. But if at a certain point we stop, I'm literally going to pick up some of these at dinner. Um, how do we decentralize? Um, Sandra, this was your question about climate leadership. So that's also a really big part of the... Uh, the strategic planning process. Um, don't know. <laughs> I do feel... I do feel that there are things that need to happen. Um, we haven't quite figured out what yet. I do think that a piece of it comes into... Chazan stepping, both stepping into a higher convening role or leadership role, but leadership by followership. In other words, I do think that it is possible in the coming years that we could do more convenings where we're organizing it, we're bringing people together, we're putting some money into it, but we're actually saying the content is up to all of you, where this goes is up to all of you. And I think that that's the two-step that maybe an interesting piece. And I've, I'll say a bit more to you about that afterwards. Um, sorry, Sophia, I have to figure out my own. Oh, how do we make the case? So, and part of your question was about urgency, like, but there are starving people. So I learned this from Ruth Messenger. Ruth Messenger, who led American Jewish World Service and before that was out of Manhattan, uh, was Manhattan Borough President. She said, you can't compare goods. You can't do stuff like that. It's not either or. Because if you do that, you end up saying, oh, over here is like this poor starving child. We could none of us justify doing anything else ever. 
And the truth is we live in a complex world where we need many, many different sorts of things. So on the one hand, yes, there are those, like, I personally give money to HAWS, and I personally give money to Federation, which does money, many things, but it includes directly helping people in need and other stuff too. It's not either or. That's one answer. The second answer is that, um, and this is now answering this at a much higher level, um, the stuff that was happening in UN reports in the early 2000s was saying, if we don't change what we're doing on carbon output, not only is it going to lead to these changes in the climate, not only will it lead to these changes in the weather, but we will end up with climate refugees. Well, the future is now. And some of the things that are actually destabilizing Europe and arguably destabilizing the United States trace back at least indirectly like to a whole series of, of chains of causation. So on the one hand, there are things that need to be done directly, people in need in our own communities and elsewhere. But on the other hand, and this again goes to something that somebody else was saying, we actually have to understand that the work that we are doing at the deepest level is a critique of a Western way of life, which in aggregate, it may work for me and it may work for you, but it doesn't work for 7 billion people on this planet. And so the process, even in gentle ways of starting to critique and change that, is itself part of the needed solution. Um, what I'm most excited about in our strategic planning process, the thing I'm most excited about is that we're doing it. We're literally right in the middle of it right now. Like a bunch of things in the air, some are starting to come clearer, some of them haven't landed. I, you, there's, a, there's a general sense of wanting to sort of tighten and increase impact, and I share that. And so although I don't know exactly where it's going to land, I think it's going to give us momentum to increase impact over the next 13 years. And I think, by the way, everything that we do, many of us, all of us, is about an interplay between centripetal and centrifugal forces. So you start something with a particular focus, and then there is creativity and things grow and grow and grow as they should, and then you pull it in, and then it grows again, and you pull it in again. How do we make noise in a positive way? I mean, again, I, I like, I love, I not only love that, I love how you asked that question, I love how you got to that question. Partly that's why Chazan is called Chazan. That sense of wanting to step up has been a, a piece of the strategic planning process. I'll have to say, we'll end up saying this tomorrow in a slightly different way, but there is a double sense of, on the one hand, wanting to try and raise the bar in relationship to climate change in the Jewish community and stuff, on the one hand. And on the other hand, we don't necessarily have a funding base. Like, this is not the right organization to be like out there on the barricades. So how do we straddle those two things? One of the things that we're thinking about is making food a more central theme of our work going forwards. One of the things that's interesting is almost everything that we do connects to food al al already. It's a central piece of Joffe. It's not just that it's one of the Joffe words, but farming is about food, the outdoors is about food, the environment's about food. But that food is incre incredibly Jewish on the one hand, but it actually unspools into a whole series of impacts in the world. But I would also say that that's, like, that's, that's going to be a piece of your personal and professional life uh, going forwards, I'm going to say. Um, what am I reading? I'm just reading a book called Spineless. Uh, which is about jellyfish. Um, I just came here from Detroit. It was written by a Jewish woman who like got really interested in jellyfish. Now I'm only 20 pages into it, but it, she can actually clearly write, and it's clearly really interesting. And uh, based only on 20 pages, I commend it. And I, as I think you know, the book that I most recently read that completely blew me away was Overstory. 
And if you haven't read Over Story by Richard Powers, you should read it. It's the first time in 18 years we've done a Chazon Reading Club. We sent it out to everybody. We share offices with Amichai, Rabbi Amichai Lalavi. I gave it to Amichai. I saw Amichai last week. He just finished it. He's given copies of it to 20 people. Um, Amichai and I are going to get together with some people on, on the afternoon of Tu Mishvat, literally just to talk about Overstory and Trees. It's an astounding book. It's one of the most astounding books I've read in my life. Um, <clears throat> What's it called again? Overstory by Richard Powers. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing book. Um, Amanda, your question about, about um, Joffe and professional. I think it's really interesting. Years ago, I had said, there's a program in food studies, a master's at NYU that's got 700 people in it. I said both to them and to JTS, you guys should do a master's in Jewish food studies. I said, nobody has yet done it around the country. It's such an obvious thing to do that would like me a business. Everybody was like, yeah, we really like the idea, but we're like too busy. I do think it would be very fascinating to imagine some version of this program giving graduate credit or some point down the line. We should think about that, by the way, because I forgot that years ago. Well, no, 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 she said that to me. No, 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 Here's the thing that I'd forgotten. Years ago, we went to the trouble of getting academic credit for Adama, which we have through Wake Forest Div School. And although most people don't avail themselves of it, we worked quite hard to do that, and it's quite significant. I forgot that we have that in our back pocket, so we should we should do that. Yes, also has it just has the Jewish ethics program now, it would make a lot of sense. They, I went to JTS, they do food ethics classes, they exist, so. Yeah, and, and JTS is kind of on a roll and we have a relationship with them and stuff. Like, again, I want to say, this is also why this is so uh, cool, but I, I, some of these things are for people to follow up. I'm going to pause, I'm going to do Stephen's question because I don't want to not answer his question. And you guys, I'm going to come back to at dinner, if that makes sense, and then I'm going to introduce Mark. So Stephen, Stephen had asked two questions. One was about diversity and thoughtfulness around diversity, and the second was about succession in the Jaffe space. So first of all, I don't, both of those things, I don't think there was any single answer. Both of them, firstly, I think are partly about consciousness. In other words, the mere act of thinking about those things is the first step towards effecting change. So, for example, when I founded Chazan, I was really committed to inclusive community. It was one of the things that we always talked about, and we used it in a whole series of different frames. But it is nevertheless that over a multi-year period, we've steadily filled in the dots behind inclusive community with structure in a bunch of ways. We do gender stuff inside Chazan that we didn't do five years ago. Like, there are a whole series of things. Thinking about trainings in relationship to hiring and best practice. Like, a whole series of things where I feel that the Jewish community right now, certainly our pieces of it, is under a process of sort of gradual change which partly reflects things that are going on in the wider society. And I think it's partly my job from, as it were, the center to say this is really important, I believe in it, we think it's important. We've said that at our board, we're thinking about diversity on the board itself in a range of different ways. I also, at the same time, also want to know how complex it is, and I think Yoshi knows that I've said this once or twice before. He's Yoshi, who's, who's Asian-American. Chazon, for the first time, has a, a rabbi in residence who's Rabbi Zara Rothstein, whose mother's African-American. It's a very, very complex thing for Chazon, this piece, because we're actually really, really genuinely committed to inclusive community. We're committed to diversity. 
And we're committed to simply building the best possible teams that we can. And it's a very funny thing. I don't, I believe that when we were looking to hire you, you were the best person for the job. I think that Isaiah has been, I think that Isaiah has been the, no, 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 but I just want everybody to know how complex this is and how very, very supple and how important it is for us to be able to walk both sides of this line, to be able to want to redress imbalances and to some extent injustices in society and at the same time genuinely to create strong teams and to hire the best people and for people like Yoshi and Isaiah to know that they're hired as it were not because you're Asian American, certainly not because you're not, or Isaiah because his mom's African, but because actually we think that you're incredibly talented leaders and so that's complex. And then the thing about succession, so first of all, hey, by the way, I didn't specifically say succession. I, I said making space. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But somebody said, else did. Somebody else did. He said succession. <laughs> I want to but both things. So, so again, so this is this also segs into to uh, introduction. But but when I was like a little kid in this space, Mark was the key leader in the Jaffe space. We didn't have that language at the time, but he was the executive director of Kojil. And when Chazon had just been founded, we had nothing, no money, we were about to go into our first program. Mark was the person that I sat down with before we did our bike ride across America and said, Mark, have you got any advice for me? And famously, and he, and he knows this because I said this recently, Mark said to me, it's very, very important that you think about evaluation. You have to make sure that you're planning evaluation in advance. And I literally, I clearly didn't know well enough I didn't say this at the time. I had no clue what he just said to me. It was like seven years till I understood the point that he had made that. So succession and empowerment is just important. And so on the one hand, I partly see my job as smoothing the path to leadership for other people in multiple different ways. Chazona's wanted to do that since the very, very beginnings of what we've done, nothing to do with formal Jaffe Fellows. I spend a fair amount of my time just sitting with people one-on-one, -on -one, doing informational interviews, looking at business plan, helping people, encouraging people. I really, really believe in that. So on the one hand, there is a proliferation in the space, and it's partly, this was also in this commencement speech that I did last month, it's saying that leadership happens anywhere in the organization. It's not just being CEO, it's not just bless you, it's not just being a bless yours or a founder or something like that on the one hand. And at the same time, there is like a series of organizations here, and it's not just that new organizations are being founded every day, and they should be. But I, I, I say this publicly and with a camera there, and I say this not only for me, I say this on behalf of Adam Berman, I say it on behalf of a bunch of people. We're like, like I'm deeply, deeply, deeply committed to this work, and at the same time, I'm like ready, willing, and able to step back and let other people take over. One of the things that I'm proudest of in the work that I've been doing has been encouraging and supporting other people. Cheryl Cook was my number two for six or seven years, and it's perfectly possible at some point she could have ended up running Kazan. And in fact, she went on to run Avodah and talked about that with me and is doing a phenomenal job there, and I'm really thrilled by that. Um, I, I think of numbers of people who are in this organization as being, uh, I'm talking about Kazan now, of just being key leaders and part of my job is to encourage them and create space for them to grow. And so with that, I want to say, um, uh, first of all, thank you. Apologies for the people I didn't get to. I'm going to be with everybody um, later on. Um, but I do want to say thank you. I do want to say those are amazing questions. I do want to say some of these things are conversations that we're going to have over a long period of time. And I think with that, I'm handing over to Mark. I'm very sorry I'm not actually staying for a session, which I would like to. But, 
But Mark, like Kojal, did a bunch of things outside of the space and then came in as, what's your title here? Associate Director. Associate Director of Urban Adamar and is a friend, a colleague, wise and just generally a great person and I want to say thank you and thank you for hosting us. It's amazing to be here.